Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, we're in a series, and uh, we're calling it the Freedom Series. And uh, we finished up a section on idolatry. It was kind of cutting edge and And what we're doing this morning is we're entering the truth zone. Not going to uh, play patty cake here. We're not going to talk about religious things, but we want to get into the Word of God and uh, because that's what that's what we need. That's what our culture needs. That's what the world needs. And so today we're going to talk about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness and the importance and the impact of forgiveness. On October 2nd, 2006, a shooting occurred at the West Nickel Mine School, an Amish one-room schoolhouse in the Old Order Amish community of Nickel Mines, a village in Bart Township of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. A gunman, Charles Carl Roberts IV, took hostages and shot 10 girls aged 6 to 13 killing five of them, before committing suicide in that schoolhouse. There were two sisters, Marion and Barbara Fisher, 13 and 11, who were among the 10, that requested that they be shot first, that the others might be spared. The response from the families after the murdering and wounding of these children, of course, was overwhelming. You probably remember reading about it. The immediate, they immediately, as, a, as, as churches and as families, immediately forgave the shooter and reached out to his family. The Roberts family were so overwhelmed by the forgiveness that they, they could hardly put it into words, their gratitude. As a matter of fact, to kind of illustrate it, one Amish man stood and held the father of the shooter for a full hour as he wept in his arms. When we think of that event, it blows us away. Of course, we've had a lot of other shootings since that time, but nothing compares to the response that took place during this one. Matter of fact, it drew praises and it drew criticisms. It drew praises because for those of us who understand forgiveness, they looked at that and said that is really the ultimate example of what forgiveness should look like. The, the most catastrophic and worst, you know, the most terrible thing that humanity can stir up and forgiveness being sown into that. The criticisms being that how could you ever forgive a monster like that? Someone that, who would do that to six-year-old girls, to traumatize their life, to kill them. They said the schoolroom, of course, since that time they tore down the schoolroom of the schoolhouse they, they rebuilt it in a different, totally different location, and they didn't build it in any way, shape, or form like the old one for the sake of the children and their memories and whatnot. One of the little girls who was given up for dead did survive, and she lives in a wheelchair as a loving but uh, not completely you know, free child uh, to move and run as other children. And... So the criticism, they look at that and they say, how can you do that? How could anyone do that? But for anyone who criticizes, it's because they don't understand what forgiveness is, nor the power of forgiveness. 
When we look at that, it does overwhelm us. We put ourselves in, that, in, in their shoes. Most certainly, we would want to retaliate. Most certainly, we would want to do something to try to make the world pay or this man and his family pay or this culture and make it pay. We might want to blame guns. We, want, we, we may want to blame a culture. You know, we may want to blame anything. But really, truly, we need to blame sin. We have to blame the author of sin. But we need, in the face of events like this, we need to look at what forgiveness is. You know, R.T. Kendall said that forgiveness is when everything in you wants to hold a grudge, point a finger, and remember the pain, but you choose to lay all of that aside instead. That's what forgiveness is. And truly, it is often more easy to forgive when people have personally hurt you. If you, you know that's true. Somebody can hurt you, and, and maybe over time we can learn to forgive and, and we can absorb that pain. But it's a, 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 a total different, it's a greater difficulty to forgive someone who has hurt someone close to you. Am I right? It's the old saying, you know, you mess with me, you know, I can handle that. But you mess with my family, then we can come unglued and there's a different pain, there's a different anger, there's even a rage. But that's where forgiveness has to go for us to really understand what it is. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And it says, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The Son of God, the gift to mankind, what greater atrocity could that be? A man who was perfect, loving, kind, did what he did to heal the masses, to pour out his life, his time, yet to be treated like he was treated, like a criminal. Stripped, abused, embarrassed, hung on a cross. His clothes, which were simple, you know, in, their, in, their, in, in what they were. It weren't rich man's clothes, but they took those clothes and they cast lots for his clothes there at the foot of the cross as the ultimate sign of disdain and, and mistreatment. So what impresses the world when it comes to forgiveness is change lives for which there is no natural explanation. And the ultimate proof of total forgiveness takes place when we sincerely petition the Father to let those who had hurt us off the hook, even if they've hurt not only us, but also those who are close to us. That's the thing that will change us. That's the thing that will change the world. In order for that to be able to flow through us, folks, as believers, we need to understand it, but more than just understand it, because see, what we're talking about in this Freedom Weekend is not so much about understanding, because I've known a lot of Christians who know the truth. They know the truth. But how many Christians walk in the truth? How many Christians apply the truth? When the, when the, when the rubber meets the road, when, when the, everything is on the line, how often do we really sow forgiveness? How often do we really make the choices to chop down those, those idols and those things that would rob us of the grace that could be ours? Once again, I want to remind you that 
in bringing up these topics, it's not to shame us. It's not to rub our noses in our sin. That's not my job, nor is it God's heart. But it's to show us that there is a greater grace. There is something more that we can experience, that we can have a greater joy in our life. It's something we can experience and something we can pass on to our children because without question, the more we take steps forward in having to stand for Christ, the more we're going to be abused the more we're going to be accused falsely. Jesus said this would all happen to us as believers. The more we would stand up for him. And, and, and when we try to bypass and walk around it, you know, sometimes when I listen to people and how they talk about, especially in politics, I hate politics. But the way that essentially what politics means is compromise. But when you think of being a believer who will stand for truth no matter what, it completely stands outside of that. Jesus was not a politician in any way, shape, or form. He stood up for what was right, and he died for it. And when, the, when it came down to it, out of the 12 most trusting, loving disciples, only three hung around, and only one stayed the distance. So, forgiveness so incredibly important. And so I want to take you on a bit of a journey here as we walk through this truth so that we can evaluate the quality of our own. Quality of our own, our, you know, and get past just believing to walking in it. Because most assuredly, as you walk through this, there are going to be images that come to your mind. There are people. There are situations. Because truly, when it comes to forgiveness and unforgiveness, there's two people that often get in our sights people that we want to blame, people we want to punish. And that's going to be any other human being and God himself. And so I tell you what, to understand what forgiveness is, I think what we need to do is first look at what it is not. All right? I'll get to that in a second. But we know the scripture is very full of encouragement. Jesus said, hey, listen, you know, they're going to abuse you, they're going to take, you know, take advantage of you, they're going to hurt you, and they're going to kill me. And of course, none of them believed it. They just said, no, no, Lord. And even Peter, who, who ended up betraying Jesus, said, you know, I'll never let that happen. And, uh, but it did. And, but Jesus, over and over again, said, don't judge people. He warned them in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew 18. He taught them about forgiveness. He said, you must forgive because you have been forgiven so much. It was a purpose. God doesn't just tell us, you know, forgive. He doesn't just abuse us. He doesn't just put us in situations where we, where we are, are forgiving and, and he just wants us, you know, to be a public spectacle, to be embarrassed, to be logically exposed. No, he says, I am forgiving you. I mean, rather, you've got to forgive others because I am going to forgive you of so much. That's the motive really behind it. And Jesus kept on trying to show that. He said, listen, you know, in your brokenness and in the sin and the things you walk in, the things, he said, because, in, you know, in the Old Testament, your judgment was based on what you do. And he says, but really, it's not about just what you do. It's about what your motive is deep down. He said, listen, even if you think it in your heart, you're a sinner. And what we find in the New Testament is how our theology is, 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 is even more defined is that we're born into sin. 
It's not just what we do and how it's, it's specified, but man, we are sinners, period. It's called total depravity, totally depraved. And Jesus dies on the cross for us anyway. While yet in our sins he died, and so, we, we, we've got to see that as a, as a good motive for not judging because we will be judged ourselves. Matthew 18 makes that really clear. He says, let, let me tell you how my daddy works. He told him a story about a man who judged based on the fact that he, another man owed him. He, he had a huge debt. He forgave that debt. I mean, the uh, ju- judge forgave this huge debt on this this servant, he turned right around. A guy owned him, owed him about 10 bucks. Threw him in debtor's prison. And when that king, that lord, found out what he had done, he grabbed him and he said, listen, I'm reinstating all of your debt. And I'm going to throw you into debtor's prison until you can pay it all back. He said, let me just tell you. See, Jesus always gave us little glimpses of the Father's heart. He said, I want you to know how he works. Important, important, important for us to catch it. So forgiveness, absolutely a joint, a movable piece in our relationship with God. A key part. You know, as you've heard before many times in counseling, what, 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 uh, this, this, this area of forgiveness is so absolutely key to a person's freedom. Of course, we, again, we talked about idolatry, one of those keys. But forgiveness probably the hinge pin to all of it. So our biblical mandate is to forgive. Ephesians chapter 4, 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in God, or rather as in Christ, God forgave you. Why do we forgive? Because we forgive so much. Colossians three thirteen, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Totally forgiving someone doesn't mean we, you know, you necessarily want to spend vacation with them, right? Hey, I forgive you. Hey, let's go party. We're going to look at that and, and, and what it is and what it isn't. But it does mean that we're to release the bitterness in our hearts concerning what they have done. And uh, I've got this down there somewhere, but really what bitterness is, to us is like we drink the poison and expect the other person to die. You know? Isn't that good? <laughs> Sitting over there, man, I just can't wait to see you drop dead, man. I just can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. And so in the same way, when we turn around and we have these little petty things, well, he didn't say hello to me. Well, I'm not going back to that church again. I think we all just need a little lamp on top of our head or one of those little blue light special things that just goes off when we make a decision like that. Oh, what's going on? What, am I, what have I done? <laughs> Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Move on, nothing to see here. Bear with one another. You know, you know how bear one another shows up a lot of times. I'm not sure exactly how many, but in the New Testament, quite a few. <laughs> Enough for it to be a little irritating. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because you become a, group, a part of a group of people. You get in a church, and I joke with my kids. I said, you know, I was driving down the road one day and thought I saw a perfect church. I walked inside, and there were no people, and it removed all doubt. <laughs> anyway. People, people, people. Bear with one another. The truth is, you're not going to find a church with a bunch of perfect people, and yet that's what we want. And we still look for it. All I can say is, listen, when you get to heaven, that will be the case. Won't that be awesome? It's coming. <laughs> In the meantime, we got us. And we got to hang out with one another, and you got to bear with one another. You don't like the same teams. You don't like the same food or the same music. You don't like hanging out in the same places. And there's a lot of times there's just not a lot of affinity and compatibility, and yet we're forced all in the same room. Hey, you love Jesus? Yeah, me too. You smell. <laughs> mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. But see, you know, forgiveness can't really be tested until it's tested. It can't really be, you can't really know what it is. You can't really, you know, know the intricacies of, of forgiveness until you're put in a place where you have to forgive somebody for something that is really sometimes sickly painful, like our example here. When those, the people as a society, you know, you can kick the Amish, you can do whatever you want to do for their choices and, and how they handle the culture. But I tell you what, they rose to the top there. And we all looked at that and said, heaven came to earth and showed us what forgiveness really looks like. When you want to hurt somebody, when you want to slap them, when you want to make them pay, when you want to do a count of Monte Cristo, you know? You know the story? It's a good story. It just feels so good, doesn't it? It just feels so right, but it... Uh, but in the end, he realized that all of that, you know, revenge didn't do anything for him. And that, remember, that was his call. You know, I will have my revenge. But the Bible tells us, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. For us to try to punish and, and you know, pour out revenge on people is just trying to get into God's spot. But we can't do it. So I'll tell you what, let's go a little deeper here in, uh, in deciding or looking at what forgiveness is not. And I'm going to go through these very quickly because I want to spend more time on what forgiveness is. Well, what it's not is approval of what they did, okay? It's not approval. Jesus caught, or he didn't catch, but they brought the woman who was caught in adultery, and he said, where are your, where are your accusers? She says, they're not here. There's no one, sir. And he says, neither do I condemn you. But he says, now go and leave your life of sin. So he did not at that moment, you know, look at adultery and say it was okay, not in any way, shape, or form. He said, now, listen, you've been spared from death here, and I don't condemn you. You are forgiven, but now go and live a different life. See that you've experienced and tasted of mercy. Now, don't go and do that again. So it's not approval. When we think of people that have taken advantage of you know, when we forgive them, we're not saying it's okay to embarrass you. It's not okay to be racial or bigoted. It's not okay to cut someone off. It's not okay to gossip in any way, shape. We're not, we're not in any way, shape, or form doing that. But we are forgiving. And we leave the education of that person 
to God. Number two, it's not excusing what they did. You know, just as God forgives people of their sin, it does not mean he endorses their evil behavior or deeds. There's no excuse. There is no excuse. Sometimes looking at that is the most important part of forgiveness. It's seeing what it is in all its ugliness and helping people walk through some of the deepest, most painful events in their life. What I help people do is, is, is look at it for what it is. Get angry. I mean, don't hurt anybody, don't throw anything, but you might feel like it. Get in touch with the actual anger and pain of what has happened and in no way, shape, or form excuse it. But see, you can't forgive. You don't know what forgiveness is until you've really come in touch with the full measure of pain and what it's done for you, or done to you, rather, done inside you. So it's in no way excusing. Number three, it's not justifying what they did. Justify means to make right or just. God will never call something that is evil good. Okay? Even when we talk about abortion, a very uncomfortable topic today, we think of things like that. That's why I get a little uncomfortable when I hear sometimes people sharing their testimony about an abortion. By the way, there, there's forgiveness, absolute forgiveness for those who've washed, walked in that and experienced it. But in no way or shape or form does God justify that event. It is what it is. He forgives it. But we should not walk away celebrating it in any way, shape, or form. We should not walk away in, in, in seeing it as a, uh, an elevating experience in our life. It should be something that we experience some measure of shame. But that shame no longer drives us into darkness. It drives us toward who? Him. It becomes, as I said, an elevator rather than a devolver. It's not pardoning, pardoning that person for what they did. Okay? We don't pardon a person who may have done something that was really abusive and hurtful. We don't pardon them. In other words, we don't want to say, hey, listen, I it is my job to spare you the pain, spare you the consequence, or even retribution. It's not that. God is not asking us to do that. We leave it in his hands. And sometimes people do experience a consequence, maybe an abuser who finally goes to jail, as they should. And for us to stand in front of that, not as, you know, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes we think the forgiveness is standing in the way of that and saying, no, 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 I, I don't want them to go to jail. No, sometimes they need to experience the full measure. And, and it's not for me to judge, but, you know, I've been in the middle, middle of that. I mean, I've had people come to me sometimes and say, hey, listen, I, I know of a certain situation that's taking place, and I said, you know, sometimes it frustrates the world that Christians are not willing to let sin be sin or for a person to experience the full measure of that punishment for that sin. So there's a release inside us that can take place when we realize, you know what, that is in God's hands, and sometimes it has to be played out. Now, sometimes there is mercy. And when it comes to mercy, we really should be thinking in terms of our own. <laughs> if we did something like that. You know, I came to Christ as a teenager, 17 years old. Before that time, there, all hell broke loose between the ages of 13 and 17. And there were a lot of things that I had to experience forgiveness for. 
there were certain things that I had to make right. Certain people that I didn't want to have to go to that I had to go to. And there are certain cities that God said, never go there again. <laughs> uh-huh. So, reconcilia. It's not reconciliation. It takes two people to reconcile. Sometimes it, it, that just doesn't happen. Because if they don't, if you go to that person and say, hey, listen, I want to forgive you for what they did, and they look at you and say, what did I do? You've run into that before, haven't you? We all have. When a person looks at you and they just got no clue what they did, you know, full forgiveness is not waiting for that. In other words, to say, uh, well, I retract. I'm not giving you in forgiveness because you don't act like you really know what I did. You know, that happened to me in my life. There was a person that I, I, I felt very badly for how I treated that person. And I said, listen, I ask you to forgive me. Now, this is, I know this is a little different. But I said, I'll ask you to forgive me for how I treated you. And <laughs> I was waiting for them to say it back. Yeah, well, forgive me, you know, David. Because, and I was just like, never came. And so the quality, but see, in my heart, I had to choose. I had to say, you know what? I forgive him anyway, God. I forgive them. I didn't think it appropriate at that point for me to say to them over the phone, listen, I forgive you for all you did, because that would have been accusing them. But, 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 but one of the ways you can address a broken relationship is by dealing with your part of the pie first, even if you're only 2%. If you meet somebody that's 90, 98% of the problem, 98% of the sin, you still have to deal with your two, don't you? And you can't say, God, deal with them, and, and, and when, they get, when they understand that they're 98% of the problem, then I'll forgive. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Matter of fact, it's usually opposite. That when you deal with your two, that God begins the full measure of his judgment, pressure, coals of fire, placed upon their head, where circumstances, consequences, retribution, God's judgment will begin to heat up their lives to where it's like, whoa, what's going on? I, I call that learning how to duck. Get out of the way. Because, see, so many of us as Christians, we're in there trying to force that person to repent, trying to force them to get a clue. And God is saying, listen, I'm trying to spank him, but you're in the way. Like when we were kids, my dad came in to spank all the boys, all five of us. It didn't matter who really did it. All five, in the end, we're going to get it. We just kind of spread out the... The punishment, man. And then when he left, we'd all beat up on the one that got us in trouble. <laughs> Which usually was me, being the middle guy. So, it's not reconciliation. It's not denying or repressing what they did. That's not forgiveness. Not at all. I mean, psychotherapy, it's not your fault. All that kind of mess. That doesn't deal with the core issue of sin. Denying or repressing, it's not. Total forgiveness is not repressing the offensive event. True forgiveness can only be offered after we've come to terms with reality. When we admit this person actually did or said this to me. I, I alluded to that earlier. It's not blindness to what they did. Turn a blind eye. It's not forgetting what they did. It's not refusing to take the wrong seriously. 
Because sometimes, you know, in an abusive situation, we might clown around and, you know, there are different personalities that can come out of very wounding and, and hurt, you know, hurtful events in our lives. We can do, become so many different things. And one of those things is we can become what they call the, uh, the family clown, the funny one, the one who's able to, you know, make light of the situation. And, and that, what happens, that's repression of a different sort. And it's just kind of like trying to make light of, of that. It's just like, oh, come on. You know, everybody sins. Yeah, they do, but this one cut you. This one got in. And so in the end, there's a missing part of your soul. There's something that's dark, it's damaged, it's wounded, and it affects how you respond to other people. It becomes a filter by which you look at all life. And then finally, pretending we're not hurt. It's not that. We can't pretend. Remember last week I told you we just become professional children? Here's another way we can do that. And it becomes awkward. It becomes, you know, it's like you're walking around holding an elephant. How are you doing? Yeah, man, my life is going real good. Stressed? No, not me. Um, okay. I've got something going on there, bro. I can tell, but you don't want to talk about it. That's fine. Let's move on. And a lot of times, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we, you know, we're not going to draw that out. We're not going to grab them by the lapels and say, you got deep-seated issues, man. And you know, as a pastor, that becomes hard when I've spent the last 30, year, 30 years of my life recognizing that, seeing it, discerning it. And I have to just go, oh, nothing to see here. Anyway, how are you doing today? Oh, man. But see, I have learned, you know what? We are all on God's timetable. And just because I can see something going on in a person's life doesn't mean they're ready for it. And so don't go walking around telling people, and I see young pastors doing that. Listen, I perceive you've got a very deep-seated wound in your life. And people are just like, really? I, I didn't even know that. I mean, let's not upset the apple cart until God's ready to do it. And usually he takes them out one apple at a time. And so what is forgiveness? What is total forgiveness? It's being aware of what someone has done and still forgiving them anyway. It's coming to terms with it and looking them in the eye or looking them in, as far as a memory is concerned. Because sometimes some of these people that have hurt us have passed away, right? can't get to them, but it doesn't mean we can't still forgive them. Two, choosing, uh, what it is, is choosing to keep no record of wrongs. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 5, total forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision. It is not a feeling, at least at first, but it is rather an act of the will. That's what forgiveness is. And that's very, very important for Christians to understand and when we fall into the being like what Paul called brute beasts, living by our emotions and our feelings, then folks, the truth will never penetrate beyond that. See, our soul, our mind, will, and our emotion, our spirit is so different. Our spirit, when we learn to live in the spirit, walk in the spirit, it is so different than your soul where emotion lives. Where, where the spirit is, is just choice. It's faith. It is saying, I believe and I move. God said it, I will do it. 
and not expecting that little soul that we got that sometimes is a sniveling little baby. I don't want it. You know, just like trying to pull him along. Our soul doesn't want to go. You know what I'm talking about? Just doesn't want to do it. Doesn't want to forgive. And it might be the sniveling baby. It also might be a gun-toting redneck. First chance I get, I'm going to take him out. Man, when I, learned, when I moved to the deep south in Alabama, man, I learned what it meant to say, you know, they said, oh, forgiveness. We don't forgive down here. We make them pay. I was like, woo, okay, time to move, Dad. <laughs> Let's load up that moving van again. Freaked me out a little bit, to be honest. All right, so what total forgiveness is, it's refusing to punish to leave that to God alone. You say, well, I would never think of punishing. Really? You mean that little avoidance of looking them in the eyes, not punishing them? It's that little, uh, no, um, we're not going to go to that party tonight because we've got something else going on. A little punishing going on there. Little things, little snide remarks we can make, a little cutting thing here, a little there, a little avoidance. See? How about when some, oh, here's the big test. You ready? Here it is. Can you rejoice over their victories? Woo! Hey, man, I just found out that something, something happened in my life. Man, I just got a check for a million dollars. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we'll see how far that goes. A person who is free in their heart is going to be like, that is awesome. Now, you're not going to be jumping up and down because secretly down inside you know they don't deserve it, but we won't go there. <laughs> but inside, you're freed up enough to just say, you know what, that's cool. I love watching God work. In other words, there's no snags, and there's no wait-a-minute vines going on in you, and you can tell it. You can just walk through it, and nothing gets inside you, and you're free. Now, come on, let's go a little deeper. I mean, we're just kind of playing with the, the easy ones, Right? The little puppies. Let's deal with the real issues that divide us as a people. You know, we're a multiracial church, multicultural. We got young people, we got old people. I mean, not really old people. <laughs> Aging gracefully. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't talk that way anymore. Oh, well. I mean, my kids tell me, Dad, you're old. We'll take you out. Anyway, you know, so we've got, we got this wonderful balance of people here, and it requires an incredible amount of grace. Do you want it? Can you walk in it? I mean, can I introduce you to what is called the kingdom of God and what it's going to look like? A lot more people in heaven that don't look like you are going to be waiting for you. I mean, if 50,000 Chinese come to Christ every single day, I think we're going to know what it's going to look like a lot up there. <laughs> Better get used to it. Uh-huh. Better deal with those things right now. All right. I'm joking. But not really. Hey, uh, okay, got to move here. What total forgiveness is, it's refusing to punish. Did I say that one? It's not telling what they did. Oh, not going around in the name of prayer. 
you know, sometimes those in authority need to be told. If someone hurt you and, you, and you're concerned because you feel like it's going to continue, you don't go around and tell everybody else. I mean, you're not the Paul Revere of the church, right? <laughs> Running around telling, oh, look out for so-and-so, God bless them. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. But if there's something that you feel like that person did and you, and you can't get past and they continue to do it, well, then you, you go to a person who's a part of the solution right? Not to anyone else. Part of the solution. And best of all, the crowning achievement in Christian understanding and maturity is going to that person themselves. Can I call you up to that? I mean, can we live there? Amen? If someone hurts you, you know, nine times out of ten, they didn't even know it. And so yet, if we want to hold on to these things and nurse them, do we not realize that there's a real character issue that's taking place? That's right. And so yet we try to pile up a lot of things around that and try to, try to you know, and really what it often is is if we've got a selfish cause and now we've got a reason to tout it, to trumpet it. Because somebody, I mean, you're just waiting. Oh, I'm just waiting. Oh, I'm just waiting for you to make a mistake. Come on now, come on. Oh, you did it. Look at you. You were a little mean-spirited there. Gotcha. Man, you're no real Christian. Well, you know what Jesus said regarding that? He said, you know what? Uh, Until you deal with a plank in your own eye, you're not in the eye business, right, Dr. Brian? (laughs) He is the only one qualified in this room to deal with your eyesight. So stop trying to walk around being Dr. Optical, all right? You just can't do it. Can't point in people's eyes. Oh, man, oh, I see a little bit of, oh, man, you got a little bit of sin in there. The only reason why you can see it, the only reason why you know it is because you're professional. You know what sin is because you walk in it. Ow. Did that one sting? Did, I mean, it should have because, because it's true. That's what James says. You can't go around telling people that's no good. What forgiveness is, is being merciful. Now, we had talked about that we got to leave mercy up to God, but you know what? In Matthew chapter 5 and Luke 6, you know, mercy is a part of forgiveness. And even, you know, when we have the power in our hand to expose someone, to embarrass someone, to, to hurt them, and it's justified, and we choose not to, Christianity 401, big stuff to bear one another's weaknesses. Sometimes people just irritate the fire out of us. And, and, and now there are times when we need to sit somebody down and we need to say, listen, what you're doing is hurtful to me. I forgive you. I love you. I'm committed to you. But what you're doing is not nice. Could you please, by all that is holy, stop, you know? If they choose not to, you just went up to Christianity 501. Especially if they're your husband. Anyway, I didn't say that. All right. Number six. Be gracious. What is forgiveness? It's graciousness is shown by you when you, uh, by what you don't say, even if what you could say would be true. Mm-mm. Holding back. Sometimes, you know, you want to say something. And you know what? I call them drive-by truthers, man. 
You just load it up with truth, and man, you just, okay, who can I give truth to? Hey, man. Man, you're not very forgiving. And man, do you ever show up on time? You know, that's not nice. See, sometimes we just need some niceness, you know, just to be nice. And forgiveness, niceness flows out of that mercy. Niceness flows, that graceness, grace begins to flow out. And that's, what it, that's when you know you've really forgiven someone. That's what forgiveness looks like. There's going to be a kindness. Dare I say the joy of the, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, fruit of the Spirit? You're lacking a lot of that fruit of the Spirit, a lot of joy, peace, long-suffering. Some of that stuff you only know by name only. Sounds like to me that you're, you're hung up on the wait-a-minute vine of, of unforgiveness. And I hate to say it, guys, but hold, I mean, just hang in here. But you know what? Sometimes everybody knows it except you. Everybody around you is just looking at you with those looks like, yeah. And if you see a look like this, it means we're trying real hard to love you. I mean, we're trying real hard. We're just, well, I mean, we're, we're just like, I'm trying, but you got an issue, and I'm not going to bring it up right now, but I forgive you. I'm going to bear with you. You know? Anyway, I could use some examples, but probably some that you did, and I wouldn't want to embarrass you. So anyway, I mean, personal one. It's an inner condition forgiveness. It's something that takes place and begins to work its way out. It's the absence of bitterness. It is the absence of bitterness. And we, you know, really we could talk about bitterness in a whole different, really what bitterness is, is just unforgiveness that has gone long periods of time so that the roots of it go deep, deep, deep down into our soul. And, and sometimes that's, that's difficult. And you can, you can experience that in cultures. You can experience it as a nation. You can experience it as an individual, as a family. And some of that really just needs to be pulled up by the roots by, by the Holy Spirit. And it takes a little more warfare, a little more battling. But it always begins with forgiveness. Always. It is forgiving God. You know, uh, Romans chapter 8, 28, you know, speaks of the, the, the struggle that we have when we're thinking in terms of... Because the revelation is this. If God is all-powerful, if God is all-knowing, he's omniscient, doesn't it stand to reason that the bad things that happened to us he knew about? I mean, and then the logical conclusion is, what the heck? Right? Why would you let this happen to me? Why would you let this happen to a loved one? Why would you let that happen to those ten sweet little girls, innocent as the wind, and as, you know, as, as pure as the wind-driven snow? Why? Can't answer those questions. Can't. All we know is that there's a finger that points to the cross. Understanding is that way. You've got to go there. And forgiving God, releasing God, saying, God, I don't understand, but I know you're a good God. To say God is good in the midst of pain and suffering is, 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 is really understanding who God is, regardless of its completion, of its, its totality, to be able to, over those many years of counseling people that have experienced the worst that humanity can dish out, to be able to look at them and say, you know what, God is good and believe it is pretty critical. Finally, it is, what is forgiveness? It's receiving God's forgiveness. 
There's only two kinds of forgiveness that I, I feel that are biblical. Forgiving or releasing God, for, or actually, rather, forgiving other people for when they sin against us and receiving God's forgiveness. Because if we're not able to walk freely from some of the things that we've experienced in our life, it's usually that it's because we, we're not, we don't have an understanding of who Jesus really is and what he really did. And being able to just say, I receive what you did on the cross for me. That when you say that you're going to cast my sin as far as the east is from the west, that you're going to blot out my sin, you know, and make me white as snow, that we believe it. And that's really key to everything. I mean, when you said, Jesus, would you come into my heart, what did it take? Belief. And when there's a great sin or experience or thing that happened in your own life that you may have participated in, you know, so key. So the pathway to freedom, to finish here, is very simple. Well, I, I need to put another step in here. First of all, we need to identify. We need to acknowledge that we've got some unforgiveness operating in our life. Have to acknowledge it. And, you know, if you're in a state of repression, which many, many of us can be, then you look for the trail. You look for the absence of grace. The presence of struggle or the absence of grace. That's how you know. You know, how do you know a bear's been through your camp? You look for his trail. Took some of your food. He's ravaged your stuff. Or maybe he's just come through your camp. In the same way, look at your life. Is there a ravaging of the things that God has given you? Have they been gone through? Is something unwelcome that's been stealing and robbing you of the kind of joy you could be had? Are there the other tracks? of something else. Because see, when you're walking in uh, forgiveness, then God says you're, you're supposed to experience, and we're all supposed to experience, an abundant life. The joy of the Lord, which is our strength. A grace. A freedom. A peace. So what do we do? Well, number one, we've got to forgive those who've used us, that have abused us, that have hurt us in any way. We've got to make that choice what we know is that you don't always feel it, but it's a matter of obedience. You have to do what's right. Sow that truth. Put that little seed in the ground. The emotions come later. Number two, you've got to release them and desist from punishing them by your silence, your rejection, or your retaliation in any way, shape, or form. Paul said it clearly. He said, removing all forms of malice, which is really more often than not, the reason for malice is unforgiveness. You may need to go to them if you've slandered their name to others, not part of the solution, because the reality is it gave birth, and now they've picked up your offense. And you'd be guilty of that too, causing division. Sometimes unforgiveness can be a very painful and a very damaging thing. We pass it on to our children. Our children listen to us. Where do bigots come from? They're grown. That's where they come from. And so if we've got issues in our heart and we talk ill of people, look for those little listening ears. And not just our children, but po quite possibly our friends, 
And maybe we need to go to them and say, you know, I ask you to forgive me. And I need to know who it is that you've talked to because I need to go to them too. That can seem overwhelming, but you know what? Slander is slander. And we've got to deal with it. Claim, and then after we have walked through it, and sometimes we don't know, and maybe these are just thing, issues of the heart. You've never done anything with it. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But the bottom, you know, the next step is to claim the cleansing blood of Jesus over your mind and ask Christ to forgive you for the unforgiveness that you have sown. Because he is so quick to forgive. Don't you love that about God? He died on the cross. In our, I mean, while we were yet sinners, he died. Okay, so get the timing on this. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins before any day ever came to be in our life. So in, in that sense, it's waiting. It's ready for you to just walk in it, to just confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. See, if unforgiveness is operating in your life, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're not going to experience the fullness of God. You're going to be drinking the poison, waiting for everybody else to die. You're not going to be a very happy, joyful person. You're going to run from one place to the next. The definition of insanity, looking for that that perfect church, waiting for other people to change when you are the one who needs to change. Yes. Speak to it. Well, um, and, you know, I've heard that a lot, you know, in, in, in talking of forgiving yourself and using, using that language. And, I, you know, I'm not, you know, saying that's bad, bad, bad. I just don't personally believe that's good language. I don't think it's biblical language. And I've heard people tell me that, well, you know, I just can't forgive myself. No, it's not really it. it what you're, you're struggling with is believing God. What you're struggling is with is that you're really receiving forgiveness from God. Okay? That's important. That's important, important, important. So, Andrea, thank you for bringing that up. Um, so, claiming the, the, the blood of Jesus over your mind. Isn't that where the battle lives? That's where it is. How many of us have been sitting there 2 o'clock in the morning going over and over in our mind? I want to kill him. No, I should love him. <laughs> I wish I had a chance. No, I can't do that. It's going around and around and around. And some of us have kind of souls, you know, that are, and we all need one of these people in our life that they, they don't, they, they're, they're like the Teflon Christian. Nothing sticks to them. And you need someone like that because they teach you. And I've got some friends in my life when, man, they just, and I'm like, man, they just really hacked on you. And they're like, ah, it's all right. I'm like, Really? That's good. People that have, and that's what we want to develop. We want to develop a Teflon soul. And nothing can stick to me. Give it your best shot. I love you. Because really, ultimately, what forgiveness does is it causes us to see people the way that God does. And wait to see, how does he look at human beings on the earth? Forgivable. He died for them all. It's whether they're ready to collect. <laughs> it's whether they're, whether they're ready to walk in it. See, when we can get to that point, that's true maturity. But we've got to deal with our own issues. And then finally, you know what? You've got to get some truth in you. You've got to memorize some verses, and you've got plenty of them right here. 
But you've got to memorize some truth because it is a battle in the mind, one that's not so easily fought or won. But it starts with truth. And when you have truth, what is that? What is the armor? We learned about what the armor. What is truth? Who remembers there in Ephesians chapter 6? What is it? It's a sword, right? The word of God. There's the belt of truth. Yeah, I'm sorry for confusing you there, but the word of God, yeah. You get that word of God in you, then you can fight the good fight. You can fight back those attacks from people and from the enemy. And that's the enemy, man. That's all he does. He's just sitting on, he just wants to get us to infight. And, and when we hurt one another, he whispers in your ear and says, make them pay. Make them pay. And God says, no, 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 no. There is no payment. You've been forgiven a great debt. Do not demand anything from anyone. So let's stand up this morning. Guys, I just saved you hundreds and hundreds of dollars of therapy. <laughs> if you, <laughs> I'm sorry to put it that way, but um, it's true. If you believe, right? I mean, you know, if you want to spend the money, go for it. But let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's come to Jesus, the one who loves us, and while, as we're here, if I could have our prayer teams come. You know, sometimes it's important to really pray with someone. The Word of God says, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. And if you're dealing with something, if there's somebody you just can't get past, sometimes you just need to tell someone. And, and it's kind of like it, it, it removes the log jam and things can get moving in us. But as we come before Jesus, let's, let's prepare. Lord, we, we love you. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. Lord, the sins that we've committed, Lord, out of ignorance, but Lord, the ones that even in the midst of what we know is true, Lord, we've run through the yield signs, sometimes just pushing right past the stop signs. And you've yet, you still forgive us. Lord, how can we turn Lord, and punish others in any way. So, Lord, right now, would you forgive us? If you've done that right now, just under your breath, say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for the unforgiveness that I've sown, for any bitterness in my life. Set me free. Wash my mind. If there's an image of a person, just see him right there. See him or her. Lord, we forgive them right now. We choose to forgive. Be released. We will no longer try to punish you. We will no longer try to act like God. Because we've been forgiven such a great debt, Lord, how can we demand anything from our neighbor? We forgive them. We release them today. We make a choice, Lord. We don't necessarily feel it because, God, there is that sense of judgment and vengeance that we have inside us. And, Lord, that's really from you. But, Lord, we need to give it right back. You are the judge. Vengeance is yours. That's what you said. 
And Lord, so doing, what's going to take place in this room, Lord, is freedom. Freedom. Lord, we put the bottle of poison down so that we can begin to grow. And Lord, we can find freedom in our minds, Lord. Who wants to get caught up in that? Lord, we want to live. We want to move forward, enjoy the relationships you've given us. We want to enjoy the breath in and out of every day, the beautiful creation, Lord, to pull the scales from our eyes, the effigies that we've placed in front of us of others, that, God, we want to continue to burn and to poke and to stab and to punish. Lord, we ask you to cut them down right now in Jesus' name. That, Lord, we can then move forward in the grace of God. That all-powerful, working grace that comes and teaches us to say yes to your ways. So, Lord, pour it out this morning on every single soul in this room. We thank you. Lord, as we stand before you now, God, I pray you'd seal the work. Lord, there might be some ongoing work you want to do. Lord, places we're still wrestling over. God, Holy Spirit, I just ask you would come and be our helper to be our comforter, to come into teamwork with you, Lord, to root every bit of unforgiveness out of us, that we might have that clear eye, that soul that is unburdened, in Jesus' name, amen.